Episode 15 of Rank and Review, Mad Movies. This week we're going to look at six movies that were conceived or executed in madness. My good friend Devin Tonight is going to help discuss the films with me, and I think we've got a very interesting prop for you, so I hope you enjoy it. My name is Larry Parsons, I am your host and random Canadian, and thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. sound as we say in the film right. business we're so, good going uh, long last uh with a brand new technology i have uh my dear dear friend devin tonight i always say tonight 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 i always say it wrong everybody always does no one's ever but i've my known you right. for years you are no not one says say larry porsons is it <laughs> some people do some people do but only when you're not around We've logged some pretty serious stage time together. You We've and done I. a few, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've hung out a fair amount now. Uh, so thanks for doing this, and you chose the topic of mad movies. I chose the mad movies. <laughs> it had a pretty fantastic lineup, i got to say. <laughs> How, like, had you seen most of them before? I had seen, well, let's see. I've seen two of them, to be honest. That was all I, no, sorry, three. I'd seen half of them, I guess. All right. So, uh... But you were excited to revisit and curious about the rest. Huge to revisit. I tend to see movies in a really different light in the second viewing for some reason. So I was excited to check some of that stuff out again and kind of re-judge it in terms of other similar movies and see how they stack up sort of a thing. It's true. It's interesting the movies that appreciate and the movies that depreciate. They're not always the ones that you expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's There's... Classics, and there's, yeah, the one that always jumps to mind when people say that is I remember seeing when I was like six or seven years old, I saw Howard the Duck, and I thought it was the coolest movie <laughs> that ever existed. And that, and that stuck in my head until about five or six years ago, and I saw it on TV, and I was aghast yeah. that I'd ever held this opinion oh, on no, this there's, movie. There's dangers of revisiting movies of your childhood. Yeah. I was huge on The NeverEnding Story, mm. and then I watched it again. And I'd be worried about that, that one. I could be very worried about that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mad Movies. I mean, uh, this almost seems like I have a whole sub-series. Uh, Rick and I, Rick Rashawn and I, have done yeah. two what-the-fuck categories yeah. now already. Um, I think what makes these ones a little bit different 
differences. These movies tend to be shorter, mm-hmm. and uh, not just the vibe of the movie, but I, I think the mind behind these movies is a little bit yeah, mad. Yeah. I don't necessarily mean that in a critical way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, a lot of what I categorized them by when I thought of the mad movies was the comedy aspect of it. Yeah. Um, when reading about, I was reading a little bit about Black Sheep, and the term they used when they were filming it was splatstick. Right. Which I love the idea of just this this horror gore comedy sort of thing, and and I think all the way through, the the ones in the list at least I like best the comedy aspect, the the really just trying to have fun for fun's sake with it right. was was really prevalent, and that was that was what I liked best about them for sure. Uh, they're also most of them I would say, if not all of them, have like a real good momentum to them. They're the kind of movie like I say. That will yeah. grab you by the face and sort of pull you through this experience yeah. of the movie. Yeah, like, no, there's not a lot of, you know, <laughs> monologues and staring off into space. Uh, the closest is where one character in one of them is, is talking to a line rep of babies. And to break that up, <laughs> yes. they have just this horrible murder spree through a hospital to keep that moving. So, well, yeah. Let's talk about the, the six movies we're going we're gonna to discuss today. Um, we have Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, kind of a classic. And, you know, I I still, looking at the pile of them, it's kind of the... The, the most obvious choice. The, well, the obvious, and, and I think the one that the other filmmakers were probably thinking of when they were <laughs> making their movies. My kind of, movie is this mixed with Evil Dead mixed 2. Mixed with Evil Dead <laughs> yeah. 2, exactly, which is, is never a bad idea to mix a little of that in there. Uh, the Canadian-made... Canadian-made Hobo, Hobo with, a, with shot. a Shotgun. I <laughs> saw that in theaters when it was first released. It was me and Terry Schroll and, like, two other people in a the theater watching this just howling, laughing at it. Uh, it's not, uh, pretty epic. <laughs> a, movie, a movie based on a fake trailer for a movie that's just an homage to a genre. It's, yes. Kind oh. of a twisty trail. I know that the term epic is overused, <laughs> but as far as level of madness and depravity, I would say that Hobo with a Shotgun <laughs> pretty, is epic. <laughs> pretty far up there, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, we have the Kiwi Zombie Sheep film. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Always uh, awesome. When... Completely sold right from the concept. As yeah. soon as I knew this movie existed, <laughs> I was like, yep. <laughs> it was one I really meant to see in theaters, and I never did. And utterly regret it now, because I think I would have, again, had a gas with that one in theaters. Um, i got to make a shout-out to my friend who's living overseas, Zane Jansen, because we're going to review one of his very favorite movies. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and it is called Ravenous. Ravenous. A very bizarre cannibal-themed thriller from the 90s. That was another one that, you know, I'd never seen. I couldn't think two things about it, but I, I remembered hearing about it. Like, I remember people talking about it, and I wasn't sure why. So that was an intriguing one for it me. It is a deeply odd movie. <laughs> it is. It is. Um... What I refer to as the good half of the, the good Quentin half? Tarantino, I was Robert Rodriguez, Grindhouse experiment. Now, I, yeah, Planet watching Terror. Planet Terror. I wasn't sure uh, wh- whether it was your favorite or you just thought it was the more mad of the two when you picked <laughs> it. So, yeah, it's another interesting choice. In a lot of ways, I think doing what they were trying to do in the format they were trying to do for Grindhouse, which was a double feature of sort of yeah. uh, scuzzy, you know, old school splatter movies, Yeah, I think Planet Terror hits closer to the nerve than the Tarantino movie. And yeah. That's kind of a surprise. But uh, I'm in the minority in that one. Well, <laughs> so. I'll, I'll, I know... Uh, 
I watched them both when they came out, and you know, I can even before I rewatched it, I could remember more about Planet Terror than I could about Death Proof. Yeah, you know. And yeah, it just has the momentum that Death yeah. Proof does not. Yeah. And last, but in no way least, the masterpiece. The masterpiece of the whole day. <laughs> Modern classic, Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> Another one I had seen at some point. Yeah. The uh, the the grand experiment, the the culmination of any amount of fan fiction that people have been writing for years finally came to fruition and they almost, put them in the same movie. Almost 30 years in the making, basically, yeah. from the origin of those two uh, franchises, the yeah. concept of the movie, and actually getting the movie made. <laughs> it took a lot of time, a lot of legal wrangling, a lot of yeah. who's going to get what percentage of what money, because... Uh, and despite its huge box office success, by the way, being released in the summertime, we have yet to see a sequel. I know, and it's so well set up for one. It's just begging for one. I have so many unanswered questions. Uh, so, yeah, should we just jump right in? We should jump right in. Let's do it. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the theater of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is a really interesting sequel in a lot of ways. You know, until I rewatched it, I honestly still believed it was it was a remake. I thought it was they got more money and slightly better ideas and decided to redo it. I didn't realize until I watched it again and went, "No, wait, this is it's this supposedly is a sequel. It's a sequel come remake, but uh whereas the first movie as low budget and handmade as it clearly was. Yeah. The intention was to scare you. Yeah. And that's the real big change, I think, for Evil Dead 2. Although when I originally saw it and I was in the single-digit age category, I found it quite horrifying. It's the fact of the matter is, the movie's pretty hilarious. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, I, I was reading up on it, and they, the at least the, the, the blurb I read on Wikipedia or whatever was saying that they would have used footage from the first movie, but Raimi couldn't wrangle the rights from whoever he'd sold the movie to to right. use some of the footage. So basically they said, well, we'll just reshoot the start to explain why Ash is there in the first place. Yeah. And then they upped the ante and, and brought in that comedy element. It's silly because I don't know why they would even bother that much. You know, the movie is so over-the-top bonkers and ridiculous. Yeah. And seems, frankly, to care pretty little about plot. <laughs> Uh, and I'm saying this in a complimentary way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You really can't speak bad of Evil Dead 2. People that don't probably won't be either participating in or listening to your podcast. So. I think for me what makes this movie magic is that I, I think there was maybe a shared secret on, on set. This is just me inventing shit, but I feel like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell knew they were making a comedy. And I feel like the rest of the cast, their performances are so straight, they're being so <laughs> earnest, 
that they figured they saw their first Evil Dead and they figured this is a scary movie. And the straightness and the sort of wonkiness of yeah. those performances actually enhance things. Yeah. Then on top of that, you get the you know the slapstick Three Stooges physical comedy and the fantastic, frankly, special effects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a winner. <laughs> I think I think they could have kept something like that secret because so much of the comedy is in is in the camera work and the direction and everything like just the you know the the wild pans and the and the crazy shots and everything i thought that's kind of where a lot of the a lot of the humor comes from yeah and in that one so i sort of joking and slash complained when we were, when terry Scholl and i actually reviewed evil dead that it is basically a series of people walking slowly down long dark hallways yeah. and then something goes boo and this movie actually amps that like it actually sort of makes fun of that conceit yeah uh, because as often as not there's either no payoff or the payoff is like a joke yeah <laughs> yeah so uh other great creative choices uh this was in the like 1986 or 87 when the mpaa was going mm -hmm. crazy over horror movies sure and taking a you know scissors to them wherever they could the, the most victimized of this was of course the friday the 13th series but uh in order to get around this, because the rules were so specific and ridiculous, and they remain so to this day, instead of using red blood, they would use a different color of paint every time they used blood. So when you watch this movie, you got black blood, you got green blood, you got weird, like, almost turquoise-colored blood. Uh, the, the, the blood fountains shooting out of the walls seem to randomly change color. I don't think I ever knew that. That's and interesting. You go with it because, you know, you just take what's coming with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's moving too quickly for you to really stop and smell the roses. Uh, why does the possessed person have bright green blood yeah. because he's a possessed, possessed person. Yeah, of course. That's, That's all happens. it means. That's what happens when you get possessed. <laughs> you get Kool-Aid green blood. Whatever, whatever we added into the corn syrup today, that's what you got. Uh, and... Everybody loves uh, Bruce Campbell, and I think this yeah. movie is one of the big, big reasons why. I think that the infamous battle with the hand before it is severed, uh, where he is in the kitchen and, and battling himself, is up there for me for some of the best physical comedy I have ever seen. It really period. is. It really is. It's <laughs> yeah. It's it's right up there with pretty much any of the other big, like your. I would I'd stack it against your. Three Stooges or your Jim Carrey or whatever you want in between. Like, it's very, like, it's very earnest. It's very, there's, I don't know. There's yeah. two bits there. Where, where One point where he flips himself, which I laugh out loud yeah. almost every time. And then the scene where he renders himself unconscious. Like he, <laughs> he, he hits himself in the head with a bottle so hard that the body loses consciousness, but the hand is still going like crazy. And I just, it's so brilliant. Like, uh, wow. And apparently in order to get a lot of shots to work, he's doing a lot of this in reverse. Um, this oh. is again pre-computer effects. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of technical issues that he's dealing with yeah. on top of just the difficult of the physical performance. Yeah, so, that's something that's going to crop up in some of the other ones too, is, is special effects or, or, or CGI versus practical effects. And, and I think this one was, yeah, it was pretty fantastic what they put together. Who, who did all the special effects for that one? Like I, That's something I never thought of. It's probably one of those names um, that we've seen. Greg Nicotero, who yeah. is the biggest name in makeup effects right now. Basically, yeah. after, you know, uh, Savini's sort of stopped doing special effects yeah. and yeah. 
the what's it? Stan Winston passed away. Mm-hmm. I think K and B effects are are the number one. Greg Nicotero's first movie uh, was like Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. which has the greatest prosthetic effects of pretty much any movie you'll ever see. There's a lot of problems there, but it's not the special effects. No, no. <laughs> that uh, scene when I think of terror scenes, just that one where the soldiers being pulled in half. <laughs> yes, still creeps me out every it gives me a little bit of a chill every time i watch it and i know it's fake but man it's really <laughs> creepily well done uh the hag in the basement really got to me when i was a kid yeah um the scene where he you know he goes up to the shed and says we got to go carve us a witch <laughs> and he has to cut open the trap door and yeah. go down into that basement uh, I remember just being terrifying when I when I first saw that movie, and uh, it's so ridiculous and crazy. And uh, would it be would it be less terrifying now if if you know knowing that it's Ted Raimi who I didn't realize either behind the makeup on that one? No. Another shocking fact that I just never cottoned on to before. I thought that was fantastic. There's little details too. There's the, on the side angle of her screaming face when she's hanging upside down. Pus is dripping out of her ear. <laughs> you know, it's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't really discuss the plot, but much like the first Evil Dead movie, and much like we discussed at the beginning, there isn't much of a plot. A bunch of people go to a cabin, read from a book that they shouldn't, and yeah. evil shit starts to happen. Yeah, and then they kind of die, and then more people show up, and they do basically the same thing, and the same thing happens again. Yeah. The cast is largely lambs for the slaughter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although I do like some of the character characterizations, particularly the two quote hayseed characters, yeah. Bobby Joe and yeah. uh, Jake. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really did enjoy that. They really seem to embrace the material, uh, and uh, yeah, like I say, that that female lead. Um, Oh, I wrote all this down. Did you? Sarah Barry, I'm going to say? Uh, li- uh, the one playing Annie. Yeah, Sarah Barry. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she comes off particularly well in this movie, but again, I think she's playing it straight. Yeah. When she has to deliver lines like, help us, you filthy coward, you know, <laughs> she's not amping it for camp value. She's actually really trying to deliver that line. Yeah. Like nobody ever would. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, it's a cult classic, and it's a cult classic for a reason, and uh, I think it's going to rank high on the list for me, um, which was interesting, because this was a tough bunch of movies to rank. It, it is. There's um, The way I looked at it, and I kind of spoke to you about it before here, is, is when I looked at the list, I kind of found Evil Dead 2 to be in the middle, and that's no slight against the movie. It's It's kudos to the people that I think did even, that built on it, and did even better sort of a thing. It's, uh, but yeah, to figure out which which ones to go above and which ones to go below it is, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm during this discussion, I may still change <laughs> a couple of places here, okay. but uh, I got a pretty pretty well lo- uh, locked down there. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to say about Evil Dead Two? There's not much more to say. Uh, Evil Dead Two is 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 Evil Dead Two, and we've seen it, and we all love it. It's given uh, you the greatest hits package. I'm sure most people who are halfway into horror movies know about <laughs> this film. Um, yeah, I think it is my favorite of the franchise. I think I do like more it. than Army of Darkness. I do uh, for me personally. Yeah. It was the first one that I saw, and it was uh, you know an accessible, imaginative horror movie for me, even yeah. in my too young an age. Uh, so yeah, maybe part of it is personal nostalgia, but uh, I do think um, it's the it's the most 
It's the best crystallization of, of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead world, yeah. to my mind. Yeah. Uh, because once you move on to Army of Darkness, I feel it's like full-on comedy. Yeah. I do think there's still a little bit of edge and gore and, and stuff in, in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, although the focus is the comedy, the, the gore and the scares are still there. Yeah. Once you go to Army of Darkness, you know, it's just yeah. keep it's, a smile it is on your face comedy. and eat your popcorn. No, Evil Dead 2 is still, at heart, a horror movie. It's just people having the most fun you can. Yeah. A particularly in, and, crazy Yeah, horror and presenting movie. a horror movie to you just gleefully. <laughs> and that's how we like it. Yeah. People look at you. And think of how wonderful your future will be. I want you to be something special. Like a, a doctor. Or a lawyer. I hate to tell you this, but if you grow up here, you're more likely to wind up selling your bodies on the streets or shooting dope from dirty needles in a bus stop. And if you're successful, you'll make money selling junk to crackheads. And you won't think twice about killing someone's wife. Because you won't even know what's wrong in the first place. Maybe you'll end up like me. A hobo with a shotgun. Okay, we're going to talk about Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, this is written and directed by Canadian Jason Eisner. Yeah. I forgot to look up anything else he's done. I hope he's <laughs> he won many other jobs. I believe jobs. he's involved in one of the segments in... I want to say VHS 2. Okay. Or it might have been one of the ABCs of Death. There's all these new horror compilation yeah. movies coming yeah. out. Uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure he's involved in one of those. Um, this movie stars Rudger Hauer. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudger Hauer, you know, he's been in some classic movies, and he's been in hundreds and hundreds, it seems, of, like, B-level silly yeah. Uh, you know, the blind swordsman type of movies. He's He is an actor with real, real chops. Like when he shows he, up. When he shows up, he's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. When it's Blade Runner or Das Boot or whatever, then he's phenomenal. There <laughs> is nothing subtle about Hobo with There's a Shotgun. Absolutely uh, nothing. This movie is relentless and in your face, yeah. and I completely understand if it catches you on the wrong day being, frankly, kind of repulsed by it. Uh, It is very self-consciously dingy, and, like, the whole thing seems like it's been stained by cigarette smoke. When they shoot it on these beautiful new digital cameras, and they (laughs) capture every pore in the actor's face, and then they take it and they run it through every filter and process to make it look like the shittiest film stock that was available. It's this popular thing that's happening lately where the movie is made to look like it's shot in the 70s or 80s, but it's a, you know, modern film. Um, But it's it's one of a few of them that basically is authentic to the period, but still is its own thing. Yeah. I I, I had this conversation with about House of the Devil, uh, which is a 
a movie that was made to look like it was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't winking at you. It was like the aesthetic was there. It felt like an 80s movie. It looked like an 80s movie. But it was also scary. Yeah. And this is sort of the same thing here. The aesthetic was there. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed right. It seemed like you could almost sort of squint your eyes and believe it was an old, trashy 70s picture. Yeah. But the movie itself was its own sort of modern, violent nightmare. <laughs> um and, like, one of the first images you get is a guy getting his head yanked off. Yanked off. And uh, one of the trailer park boys, I believe. Yeah, a, an interesting choice. I mean, good on him <laughs> hiring some Canadian actors some more stuff. I found it a little weirdly distracting. <laughs> well, uh, for the for trailer park fans, maybe. But yeah. it doesn't last very long. I guess, I guess. And not only does he get decapitated, but, you know, his his neck spouts a fountain of blood. And a, and a nearby woman <laughs> drops her coat. And starts dancing in the fountain spray of bikini blood clad. in her bikini. Writhing, and if you will. This is three <laughs> minutes into yeah. the movie. Yeah. And it is nowhere near the bottom of the level of yeah. repulsive, horrible violence no. that you're no. going to be bearing witness to. <laughs> And uh, the only, uh, only level-headed people that we encounter are uh, a hobo with a shotgun... <laughs> And uh, I wasn't quite sure if she if she was a, a prostitute or... Oh, well, she's a prostitute. I mean, she she sells her whole, as she says, to the cops who pick her up on the street and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but we never really see her... Oh, uh, good point. I don't know. I don't know. Like... Oh, no. She, in the, in the scene in the arcade, she picks up Slick, one of... Well, there's, there's yeah, to talk about more of the characters, I guess, before we jump ahead too much. The <laughs> town, Hope Town, is, is run by a horrible megalomaniacal crime lord named the Drake. And he screams every line he is getting. Yeah, this weird combination of of uh southern evangelist preacher and and yeah, Coke fiend. Yeah. It's bizarre, bizarre mix. And yeah, he's hanging out with a bunch of topless girls who are doing nothing but being in the room, apparently. And or occasionally giggling while beating a man who's hung by his ankles with, you know, beating him with baseball bats and giggling yeah. topless. And a baseball bat coated with razor blades for <laughs> extra fun. Another, um, you got glass eating here. You got yep. pedophile Santa Clauses. Yeah. Um... You know, uh, there's basically no depravity untouched. No. Uh, and the characterization of the hobo by Rudger Hauer is, I think it's a sincere performance. I think it's a ridiculous char- character, and, like, he's always giving these monologues. Like, uh, like he's done a lot of studying on bears. Yes. He's, like, fascinated with bears. He, he's, he knows a lot about bears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily fully see the connection between those monologues <laughs> and his violent acting out. I guess the bear one—the bear one made sense to me because he talks about how you know the thing about bears is if they ever get the taste of human blood, they can't stop. Yes, like and that. that's the foreshadowing that as the big bear, once he kills one person, he's going to go whole hog and yeah. right off his trolley, sort of thing. But well, once he realizes that the police are completely corrupt, like yeah. there are no police in this place basically yeah. they're as evil and fucked up as the gangsters <laughs> that he has to take matters mm-hmm. into his own hands okay and then the real ace of the whole of the movie comes in and I think I was liking the movie but I wasn't sure about where I was I was laughing and enjoying it but then 
What were the, the 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 road warrior gang showed up? Oh, the plague. The plague. I was yeah, to, yeah. Grinder, grinder, and rip. <laughs> yes, rip and grinder. Whose names are never known. I I don't ever remember hearing it in the show, but I saw it in the, the credits. As the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these, I don't know if they're muscle for hire or just a couple of lunatics who saw the Road Warrior too many times. They seem almost <laughs> otherworldly. And, and, they, look I, like they walked in from a different 80s movie. That yeah. Just happened yeah. to be filming on a nearby set. Covered you know? in homemade metal plate armor and, and BMX gear. Mercilessly killing anybody in their way in the interest of their goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, they, they either seem like road warriors or some sort of, you know, summoned demon. Because there's that scene in the their basement to their their hideout where they're the one guy's literally wrestling a giant octopus <laughs> that's just off screen. You can just see the tentacles, tentacles flapping around, coming in. It's that crazy. And I mean, they've got that that hit list wall. Of of photos and they they've just crossed off the hobo of course because they just captured him but other people were like Abraham Lincoln and Jesus and stuff so I I guess they were trying to maybe maybe create a little bit of either they're just anarchists or whether they were supposed to be maybe a little darker more demonic maybe they have traveled through time yeah. I don't know. Well, They're messed up. The, the entire world is crazy, and these yeah. guys stand out as particularly crazy yeah. in that world. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie. I think that you have to be in the right mindset for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I, mean, I, was, I had more than a few drinks in me, and I was watching <laughs> with some like-minded friends, and we laughed. Um, I do think even at a short running time, it does start to wear me out yeah. after a while. Like, yeah. I just... just uh, it's it really isn't about anything other than you know the title hobo with a shotgun it pretends to be it tries to be and it's got a lot of interesting funky ideas yeah and they go places with the villains that is like incredible a, a school bus, get, bus oh, gets torched man. for like, a joke <laughs> that scene blew me away when i first saw it i couldn't believe they went there <laughs> they went there that was it was phenomenal just yeah. you know what right to the wall yeah. we're, we're not yeah um, and some of the lines which are self-consciously cheesy and over the top i think Work better than others. Yeah, uh, the two brothers, the of the the criminal mastermind. I think one of them was a much better actor than the other. There was Slick, who was the the brother with with potential, and Ivan, the brother without. Without, yes, yeah, and the brother without. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a weaker performance. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> They had enthusiasm. They definitely, you know, yeah. they did the job asked of them. I, another weird thing I learned fairly recently reading up on it is, is the guy who played Ivan also played Rip. Uh-huh. It was the same guy. So it almost, it might have also been something where, yeah, you're not the best, but we only have to pay you once <laughs> and you fit the armor. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll make this work. You're fine. Um, the the central performance by Redger Howard is good, um, but we have a Canadian actress, uh, Molly oh. Dunsworth. Yeah, uh, and she is, I guess, the heart of the picture. Oh yes, uh, the hooker yeah. with the heart of gold. Hooker with the heart of gold is exactly what she is. Um, and she has a lot of really great funny stuff where she has to deliver earnest dialogue in yeah. in, in an environment that is completely. 
bonkers, and uh, I think she did a really, really good job. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite of that is her big, her big speech to the crowd. She's just finished uh, making and, and donning her armored suit to go and rescue the hobo, and she <laughs> kicks over a, a literally kicks over a newspaper stand yeah. stand on. <laughs> And delivers a speech about how, you know, homeless people have the biggest house in the world, the streets. <laughs> and maybe if we're maybe if we're in the streets we should be respecting them. And it just it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's just there's something really about her in the, the most dire situation, she can produce this huge sunny smile. Yeah. Even if there's like blood all over her face. Yeah. This is this really sincere <laughs> strawberry shortcake smile on her face that is just bizarre. Yeah. I think she did a really good job and I think that in a lot of ways she had one of like the few likable characters and one of the most meaty parts yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Uh Rudger Hauer had hilarious monologues and he dealt death. Uh, but in a lot of ways, the movie is as much hers as it is his. I think so. I think so. The yeah, she's she's the reason that he goes out and does all this. She's yeah, she's the motivation for the whole thing, and they they give her service by giving her some some actual things to do in it. Some great action scenes, some really great trashy monologues. Uh, this is a movie born out of. We were talking about Grindhouse. Yeah. Uh, there was sort of a competition, a fake trailer competition, and yeah. they made this fake trailer for Hobo for a Shotgun, mm-hmm. and they got, you know, a million bucks in Rutger Hauer, go make your movie. Yeah. And I like that they're, these are a couple of Canadian boys. I mean, I don't think this is the movie that I would have made, necessarily, but... Uh, they were true to the genre, and they went there. They went as dark and hard and as violent as they possibly yeah, could. <laughs> I, I'll give it this much, is is and I very much enjoyed it. Of the two main trailers, I remember the fake trailers. It was this one and, and Machete. Mm-hmm. I remember being the big ones. And I think Machete is the trailer in Grindhouse, right? I think Death Proof got the Hobo with a Shotgun one, maybe. Or maybe they're both in it. Uh, if you get the Grindhouse set, I believe they're all there. Yeah. But, uh... but anyways, you... You watch the two of them, and Machete really feels more like like somebody went, oh, we can get all these stars, and let's let's actually, like, let's make a movie out of this. Like, people didn't, Robert Rodriguez looked like he had to fight <laughs> to keep, um, to keep the humor and to keep that sort of camp in it, so occasionally he lost. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, it, oh, it almost feels like, like you said, these guys were given a million dollars, and they <laughs> said, well... We're going to Halifax. We're back in the movie in six months, and nobody bothered them. <laughs> We're making a movie, yep. and it's a hobo with a shotgun movie. They deliver completely on its premise. Yeah, it is not deep. In fact, I would argue it is quite shallow. Yeah. But uh, if you saw the trailer and thought that looks awesome, <laughs> you're probably the right audience for this. Yeah. If you saw the trailer and thought that looks stupid. Yeah. Then maybe you're not the audience for this. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm gonna guess you're you're the former. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. It was it's gonna rank high on my list. It's it's great to see so much awesome Canadian talent just having fun. Uh, yeah. You know, I I often will say that. I, I recognize Canadian independent horror movies, especially, not even just horror movies, dramas as well, but mm-hmm. they have this weird quality where I, I find the cast is sometimes wonky, like there's usually a really good performance and a really questionable one, Yeah, and the movie will tend to go places that are just a little weirder and a little darker mm-hmm. than you'd expect it, and 
this holds true with Hobo for a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, you don't just see this woman get her hand chopped off in the blades <laughs> of, uh, of a lawnmower. No. no, she then uses the sharpened bloody stump <laughs> to stab a dude. Yeah, and like, then wrestle a manhole cover, <laughs> which is holding a man up. So she <laughs> lifts, lifts Rudger Hauer bodily by his hair and the shattered end of her her whichever bone is on the end of your arm. Tibia? No. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We learn a lot about bears. A huge amount about we bears. We learn that if you... If you kill one of the plague, you become part of the plague. You become part of the plague, which <laughs> apparently there's a scene out there where she, she does become part of the plague. Well, yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I didn't think to look for it in the special features, and maybe I should have, where she gets a shotgun hand and becomes a plague, but that was a <laughs> cut scene. I am, I'm not, I'm not filming at the mouth for a sequel, but uh, if no. they made a movie about the plague, I might take a look. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that, yeah, I think that this movie tells a fairly complete, if, <laughs> Remarkably simple story of a homeless man and his friendly <laughs> shotgun. Uh, and again, I can't overstate how dark this is. There's glass eating, there's, you know, kids being burned alive, yeah. pedophile Santa Clauses. This is about as hard for grunge as you're going to get. George Strombolopoulos being killed with a hockey skate. I'll yeah. just throw that one out there. Sold! Sold! Miles from civilization. I have a dream. For the future. A secret experiment has given birth to a new breed of fear. Bloody animals. Oh, my lord. There's something wrong with the sheep. They attacked us. Oh, nonsense. Shoot it again! What the hell is he doing? <laughs> Okay, um, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Um, this was one of the movies that I was really looking forward to uh, to inflicting on somebody because um, it uh, it was kind of a second tier release here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know if it had any theatrical run. It just sort of showed up on DVD one day. Uh, but uh, it, 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 I think a lot of people missed it. I and guarantee I, that. I, I I I just have to get the word out on this black sheep movie. You really have to. It's it's. <laughs> I said it to you. It's it's one of the ones that I saw a trailer for. Thought it looked bizarre. Had this phenomenal background to it with kind of Peter Jackson and Weta kind of being behind it and and well, pushing for it. Peter Jackson basically made the Weta Digital Effects Studio so he could do Lord of the Rings and yeah. The Frighteners and all of his New Zealand-based films. Yeah. Um, but sooner or later, he started making movies elsewhere, and they had to, you know, basically farm out work. So they did special effects for some of the, uh, you know, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah. Narnia movies. and. Uh, but this is really interesting because now they're doing zombie sheep. Uh, the, yeah. the tagline on the uh, on the DVD: There are forty million sheep in New Zealand, and they're pissed off. It is true that sheep outnumber people in New Zealand by uh, like a fifty to one margin. That's or something that's ridiculous. what I hear. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a ridiculous number. Uh, and uh, you know, there's also a lot of uh, 
hobbits there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there a lot of hobbit car accidents and whatnot. There were more, but the sheep ate them. <laughs> yes. I, I want to point something out. I just got to look here. The tagline's awesome. I I was blown away by where is it on? Oh, here we go. The French title, which I I almost enjoy more than Black Sheep because I heard Black Sheep and the first thing I still think of is uh is Chris Farley and David Spade. Oh yeah. But of course, wrong movie. But the French title is La Nuit des Moutons. The Night of the Sheep. The Night of the Sheep. Huh? Which I, I honestly think they should have went with that. I love that title. But Black Sheep is is well, still good. It'll always be Night of the Sheep <laughs> for us. Uh this is yes, a, a Kiwi zombie movie. Although uh, they're they're sheep that are being messed with. Yeah, uh, a, a fellow returns home to the family business, which is a sheep farm, which yeah. is not uh, uh, unexpected. Um, but he is a scared of sheep. Yes, well, his <laughs> he's his, phobic of them. His father died at the same time his brother was wearing the slaughtered carcass of his uh, his brother's favorite pet sheep. Like to scare him, do. so just this perfect storm of horror yes. all happened at once, and it scarred him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's not a very deep movie, but you do have what is digital effects on on your side, yeah, and a genuinely like I think smart, stupid screenplay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's not reinventing the the wheel, but it moves fast. Yes, uh, you know who the characters are right away within a yeah. few lines coming out of their mouths. Yeah. And uh, it sets up these action pe- beats, uh, almost to the point where, like, when when we're seeing the, the picnic being set up for the big, uh, when the sheep run down the hill and just sort yeah. of mow through all of the townsfolk, you know the second you see those chairs being set up that that's coming, that, yeah. that scene is going to come. <laughs> it's like the template, you can connect the dots really easily, but... That's part of the joy of the movie. Uh, and the wild card is that, you know, they're sheep <laughs> instead of zombies. <laughs> and it's absurd and hilarious. Yeah. And, but, but it's also somewhat played straight. Like, when the sheep bites off half a dude's face. Just and he's running half. around yeah. going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So, do we laugh? Are we horrified? What, what, do, what do you take away from this experience? <laughs> I'm more terrified of sheep than I ever was before. I, I was horrified. I, yeah, it was, it was, no. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's a different, it's kind of, yeah, it's a different sort of sense of humor than you would get out of an American film crew, I'm sure. It's very playful. It's, it's like you said. It's smart, dumb. Yes. It knows its its uh, source material really well. <laughs> it knows the beats it needs to do and how to twist them to create something new and still be recognizable. And it does accomplish something in actually making some of the sheep sort of intimidating. Yeah, and scary. <laughs> they're surprisingly like the the. Yeah, the the actual sheep themselves jumping out and and killing people, shockingly nimble creatures. Yes. <laughs> Did not realize that they could jump six feet in the air. There's any that whole again scene at the the news conference or picnic or whatever it is where the the crowd is eaten by sheep. Just the scenes where <laughs> the direction was look forward at the camera terrified, then look to the right terrified, and then we're gonna huck. A, a ball of wool at you yeah. fast enough that you can't tell it's not a real sheep Boom. and you're going to get knocked over. <laughs> and we're just going to repeat that a bunch. Um, 
surprisingly intimidating for that sort of thing. As well as the, um, oh, I loved the scene in, because uh, there's one character who is the, the hippie earth you know, earth lover, tree hugger guy who is trying to free the sheep, but ends yes. up getting bitten by a really awesome puppet of a of a a sheep fetus dragging its crippled limbs oh, and umbilical God. cord across <laughs> the plains. But it it crawls up and it bites him, and he uh, gains what what. In a zombie movie, it'd be, you know, death and zombiness, but somehow in this, he becomes this superhuman sheep man. Yes. And there's a scene where, uh, the, the two main protagonists are, are stumbling around and they happen upon the shearing barn where they hear the clippers going <laughs> and they come in and it's, it's that guy and he's fully transformed. He's, he's a, he's a two-legged sheep. Well, seven feet tall and built like a professional wrestler now. And he's shearing himself for I don't know what reason. There's never an explanation of why he wouldn't be comfortable in his own wool. His vanity. You know, I guess uh, something like that. He wants his humanity back. Yeah. For, I don't know. I didn't think that deeply. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tried not to, too, but, but it did cross my mind, the fact that, wow... It doesn't seem that bad to be turned into a super sheep. That guy's kind of badass now. Um, these two classic uh, horror sci-fi tropes uh, uh, collide once again here. Science doing things that they shouldn't and experimenting with these animals in the most horrendous and cruel ways. Yeah. And then, of course, the eco-terrorists yeah. mean well but unleash a plague by mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these two conventions we've seen many, many times just rarely yeah. together like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I really do like. Yeah, just like in a zombie movie, if you get bit, you're gonna change. You're gonna change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they do have some really lowbrow humor here. They do. There's more than a few sheep fucking jokes. There's uh, several. A yeah. man gets his penis bitten off <laughs> by the love of his life, his sheep, his sheep wife, um, and the whole movie is wrapped up with an exploding fart. Yes, uh, uh, there's a punchline of, of igniting farts. Uh, yeah. See, I say that and it makes me ashamed almost. <laughs> I, I like this movie as much as I do, but the movie it completely works within the world. Of this movie, which yeah. is a complete funny, funky cartoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that crazed, edgy humor that they managed to get away with yeah. because that's the movie you're watching. It's also very quick. It's 80 minutes and oh, it yeah. moves. Like, yeah. it moves. Yeah. Like. I, think, I think a lot of the lowbrow jokes, uh, some of them I think have a basis in. Uh, a culture that we're not as familiar with, or maybe I'm a little more like I grew up on a farm and stuff like, you know, people joking about fucking the animals and people, you know, about animals farting and all that sort of stuff is stuff like I grew up with. So I kind of, it almost feels like whoever was in charge grew up on a sheep farm. It's where he got the idea, pretty obviously. And it's where he got it. And he's, it's kind of, a, I, I, I almost credited to him that that he got all that in because it means he really, he had a story and he, he had it all and he got it all on film. He, he got the whole system to work with him sort of a thing. The performances are efficient. There's nothing loudly that yeah. speaks out. There's, you know, archetypes, the love interest, yeah. the granny character, the good brother, the bad brother, yeah. you know, yeah. big the, business is bad. The, <laughs> the 
to to use the the phrase the magic negro almost <laughs> the the guy who should have no skill in this case the 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 farm manager farmhand guy who somehow manages to rig up a backpack powered uh <laughs> syringe machine that can cure everybody of this He's all MacGyver on that. He's all MacGyver on it. (laughs) Yeah. He does all sorts of acrobatics, jumping in and out of a moving car, and all sorts of stuff, yeah. Um, You may not like this movie as much as we like this movie, but I guarantee you, you will not be bored by it. No. And uh, it will put a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe you won't like yourself in the morning for liking this movie, but I think it's a hard movie not to get behind. I I will also put it out there that of, of the squeamish people out there, it is probably, in my mind, the most unrelentingly gleeful. (laughs) <laughs> about kind of doing horrible things to nice things, like big, nice, fluffy sheep are eating people. And I think of that the scene where they go into the lab, and that that lamb is hung <laughs> upside down, skinned. Yeah. Its rib cage is is prized open. Its heart is still beating, so you know it's alive. And eventually, it turns to one of the characters and bleats at it. Yeah. And I'm, I I watch that with just. That's horrible. That's, that's the worst thing. Oh, and the, the there's a bunny that gets eaten just live. <laughs> it's uh, it is not for the animal lover necessarily, unless you got a great sense of humor. Uh, I don't but, think it touches the depravity of hobo with his shotgun. But you're right. No, the level of uh, of violence in the movie is pretty surprising I'll, considering how silly it is. In in hobo with a shotgun, bad things happen to bad people. Yeah. I don't think. M- Many, if any of the people in Hobo... In fact, I'll say none of the people in Hobo Shotgun, except for the busload of children, maybe George <laughs> Trombolopoulos, were good people. Yeah. They got killed. Everybody is is bad, and they're kind of getting what they deserve. Yes. Black Sheep is is different. Yeah. <laughs> but, it is different, and I think that's sort of its strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Black Sheep? Oh, I don't know. Uh, go find it. It's got to be on Netflix or something. It just screams easy to find on that sort of service. So if you see it, make sure you watch I it. I got it for like six ninety nine at Seven Eleven. It's a shame. It is. A sh- it's 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 awesome for us when you can get those deals, but it's a shame for what it says about yeah. the movie. Uh, it's it's worth a look. I'm sending you to California, Fort Stetson. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. Captain John Boyd is about to discover... No one just ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well, something he never imagined. We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. <laughs> this Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. He absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose between others. Between having dinner and being dinner. Ravenous. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of interesting things to be said about this movie. I mean, um, it's probably the most uh, leisurely paced film of yes. the ones that we've selected here. Absolutely. Uh, it's the, the, uh, the least of them as far as them just being a huge 
race to the finish line. Uh, yeah. We get to know the characters, we get to soak in the scenery, and then the madness sort of sinks into the film. Uh, and uh, depending on who you talk to, either make a delicious broth or, uh, <laughs> you know, completely rot the tooth of the movie. Uh, Antonia Bird is uh, credited as the director. Um, I don't know what she moved on to I since looked then. that up, and I didn't see anything super familiar, but I'm, I know I've read somewhere about this story, because she wasn't the original director. The original director was fired, like, nine days into yeah. production. Yeah, um, I don't know what he shot, um, and I don't know if the weird tonal shifts were deliberate and in the script... Or if it was just a result of them sorting matching footage. But this yeah. movie ch- sort of changes gears pretty regularly. Yeah. It's a very straight sort of historical drama. Yeah. Then it's kind of a weird, goofy comedy. Yeah. Then it's a sort of gothic, almost feeling horror Maybe a bit of survival of, horror mixed yeah, in. Yeah, uh, you get this great cannibalistic story monologue delivered by a great British actor, Robert Gabe, Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Yeah, I uh, always want to say, and stop me if I do it by accident, I always want to say Gabriel Byrne. I don't know why. Yeah, but, I know clearly who yeah. the two people are, but it always jumps into my head. Uh, Robert Robert Carlyle, who's a, ever since Trainspotting, a, a, you know, gets regularly cast as sort of intimidating villains. Yeah. And and, uh, he he works very well in this film. Um, At the time, a lot of these people in this movie weren't super famous, but it is a star-studded movie. It is. I was was just thinking, I was going to call it the most star-studded of the films, but you know what? That... I think you got to give that to Planet Terror. Yeah, but it's, it is a names. it is a close second. There are a lot of very recognizable. There's going to be a lot of people going. That guy, he's in. Yeah, uh, Guy Pierce is the lead, and guy I believe Pierce? he had made Memento the same year, so he was just starting to pop. Well, this was '99, uh, I believe. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Jeremy Davies, sort of mm-hmm. a classic mumbly indie actor. <laughs> yeah, I, and that was bugging me too, and I forgot to look this up. I was trying to think of like that, you know, he's the guy from, Yeah. Well, what's the, the one for him? Uh, he, I, the biggest movie I remember him from is Saving Private Ryan. Of course. Um, but uh, he shows up in a lot of things. He was also in a couple seasons of Lost. He was one of the, okay. one of the yeah. more... Uh, focused on characters in the later seasons. Uh, Neil McDonough has come up in the world. Mm-hmm. David Arquette had the and role here. David Arquette was pretty hot off of the screen franchise. Yeah. And now looking at this list of names, uh, he's sort of pretty low on the totem pole. He's got about six lines in the movie. Yeah. Uh, John Spencer, this was his last movie. He yes. Was, uh, before he passed away. Yeah. Last uh, film. I And I read that and went, oh, he must have died right after. But he just he just focused on, on TV. TV. Yeah, after he was that. in the West Wing. Right. And, uh, of course, Jeffrey Jones, who was, uh, you know, a really talented, funny uh, character actor, who, you know, the principal from yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And mm-hmm. uh, um, So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting names, a lot of interesting faces in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but tonally, it is all over the place. All over the place. <laughs> and they... they <laughs> what did you think of Revenant? I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really did. It's, it's very different. A- another comparison I made with some of the other ones was that... You can kind of see in a lot of the other ones the movies that they love the most and they wore that love on their sleeves when they were making it. You know, mm-hmm. they were maybe an homage or maybe just they really, you could tell there was some inspiration there where Ravenous doesn't feel like any other movie I can think of that I'd seen. Like it felt very fresh to me. Uh, it's a horror movie, it's a historical 
well, I mean, it takes place in a, in, a, yeah, in another time period. I don't know how much you learn from it. You will. I hope you learn very little <laughs> from it. But there is a supernatural angle. To there's it. a supernatural angle. Um, there's even a certain amount of 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 you know the hero's journey, the the character rising from trying the, to redeem him, trying to redeem himself, and succeeding in a very very significant way. Yeah, he uh, Guy Pierce's character basically in a bloody and losing battle played dead on the battlefield in order to survive right. and uh, woke up at the bottom of a body cart yeah. and suddenly found himself with the strength to escape. Yeah. Um and uh so he ended up, you know, capturing the uh, enemy's uh, bunker or Yeah, the, the, the command the command post wherever yeah. he was and uh the, they knew he admitted to what he had done in order to survive and achieve his goal. So his reward slash punishment was to be to set to this obscure yeah. outpost yeah. Uh, with a bunch of sort of <laughs> these guys who've been living together in this small area for, yeah. for too long. And uh, Basically the last fort before you're in the, the Colorado wilderness. Or Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think a large contributing factor to the strange tone of the movie, and I'm just trying to find the credit here, it's the music in yes. the film. Um, music composed by Michael Nyman and Damon Albarn. How would you describe it, it, the, mu- the music? It's got sort of like this weird, uh, I want to say like rural, plucky, banjo-y... Uh, uh, All played through a synthesizer. Two I- period... But but it's strange. The music is strange and not always appropriate to yeah. what we're seeing. Like the choice of what music they use when. I think the music to the music by itself, it's kind of interesting and cool. But I don't know if it's a fit with the movie. And I think the the the, the moment of the film that really rings this true is there's actually a really effective build. They are on a quest. They meet the Robert Carlyle character who says that he'd been trapped in a cave. Yeah, and been. He and the fellow survivors had been reduced to cannibalism, and there was a few people left in the cave, and uh, can they go help find them? Of course they do. And we have a long quest to the cave, and we, we spend a lot of time finding how just how crazy Robert Carlyle yeah. is. And he's starting to get twitchier and twitchier, and we know something's coming. Yeah. And we finally get to the mouth of the cave, and all the pieces are in, and boom! Like, we lose about half of our cast, it seems like, instantly. Death, death, death. And... Jeremy Davis is running, and he's being chased by a lunatic with a knife. And the music that's playing is wacky and yep. fun and bouncy. <laughs> and all of the suspense that they built to set up to this moment of the film yeah. is just let out, like, instantly. Uh, and it's really weird. And, like, the rest of the sequence, I'm so engaged in the story at that point. I, 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 I mean, I, yeah. I wanted to see how it played out. And we moved on from there, and things got even crazier. Could they have been trying to keep... Because at that point, you realize how utterly nefarious um, Calhoun or Ivy, I don't know, or... The, the, Ives, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, Ives, sorry. The, the, the main evil cannibal of the whole film. Wendigo, if you will, of the yeah. whole film. Well, yeah, he wasn't actually bringing them to rescue them. Yeah. He was running out of food. He, he was bringing more meat to his cave. Right. So you, you finally learn how how utterly horrible he is. And I, I, I wonder if they did it to kind of make a, a, a turn away from him just being a nefarious bad guy, which would make it more of a, a stock 
you know, sort of movie. Like, there's the really bad guy, and yeah. now we got to get rid of him. To more of a deranged feeling, <laughs> like just this mad clown sort of character that uh, he's an impressionist and he's a he's a a lunatic sort of a thing. Well, More insane than evil. Well, that's sort of where I thought the movie was that I was watching when we started, like that he'd gone mad and he's yeah. sort of had this bloodlust and now he thinks that the, that eating people gives him powers. Yeah. But as the film progresses, we find that eating people does, does give, give you, you powers. powers. Heals bones, <laughs> yeah. stab wounds. You can yeah. suffer a brutal injury, but you cannibalize uh, someone's corpse yeah. and you'll be fine within yeah. a few days. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, But I keep rolling with the punches with this movie because the performances are solid yeah. and I haven't seen this story before. Uh, I, I didn't really necessarily know exactly what was going to happen no. around each corner in this movie, no. which is very rare for me, especially because I've watched so many horror movies. Yeah. Like, uh, to not know where the movie is going and to be surprised a few times by what happens yeah. uh, is good, <laughs> you know? I I won't spoil the ending for people that, that haven't seen it, and it's really well worth watching. But yeah, I was the same way, leading right up to the, the big final you know, confrontations of the movie, I didn't know who was going to live, who was going to die, who was going to change sides, yeah. who was going to... Anything was kind of possible, and... All, everything was on the table in yeah. this movie, and I think that's what I really liked about it. Uh, it's, it's certainly not a perfect movie. It's so very strange, yeah. but uh, I've seen it a lot of times, and yeah. like I say, I've, I've got a friend of mine who says this is one of his favorite movies ever, period. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very weird. I get the impression, and again, this is just me putting my thoughts onto the movie, that like, uh, you know, filmmaking speak, there's the movie you write, then there's the movie you shoot, and then there's the movie you cut. Yeah. Um, I, th I, like, I, I have the feeling that the script was straight. He was making a horror thriller mm -hmm. period piece. Uh, which you don't see that often and not usually that well done and not usually with such a fantastic cast. Yeah. Um, and then the director, I feel like she was trying to, uh, you know, add a little, a little, a little percentage of crazy since mm -hmm. there is some madness to it. Yeah. Uh, and then the editor, I, I almost feel like is like, I'm not sure if this movie is a comedy or a horror movie. Yeah. So I'm going to treat it as whatever I feel like it is in a given scene. Yeah. The opening credit sequence. Uh, do you, I don't know if you remember uh, Guy oh. Pierce is sitting at a table and oh, the, the yes. meat is served and it's yeah. like this impossibly rare meat yeah. and it's intercutting this look at the meat with him having flashbacks of waking up at the bottom of the body cart yeah. with blood draining down yeah. his throat uh, and uh, then all of a sudden Ravenous goes on screen and it's like -ching! <laughs> and like little sparkles like yeah, that, that just seems so wrong. Much like that music cue yeah. I talked about, it just that seemed like the wrong choice. It and it yeah, it's another music cue there too. Another one of those uh, yeah mid '90s Canadian pioneer shows. Yeah. It'd be the theme song to one of those as he's heading out to this fort. It gets kind of lighter yeah. and yeah, some deservedly forgotten Canadian TV. Show, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I I sound like I'm being hard on the movie, but because. There, it's it's mad. Yeah. It is mad, and I don't know that it was. 
like the other movies we're talking about in this list, I think they set out to make a crazy movie. Yeah. And I think this is a crazy movie that just fucking happened. Yes. It was like this cosmic yeah. confluence of things happened yeah. and this movie formed and it is, it is really hard to ignore. <laughs> it has, yeah, it just has a bunch of, it had a bunch of stuff going for it. Like it obviously had a nice original idea. It had a, a stellar cast. It really is. Yeah. Everybody in it is. Not all the performances are tremendous, but they're very. I think most of them are are quite good. Yeah, and you know? and it's like when people get killed off, you're like bummed out because you know it's no more from that actor. Yeah, it's like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, this is a fascinating, bizarre, bloody, crazy movie. Yeah, uh, and it's got a reputation. I think it is. You know. I think it is in that sort of cult sphere of things. But oh, if you be. haven't seen it and you like horror movies, you should get around to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> horror, it? comedy. Horror, comedy, supernatural, <laughs> historical <laughs> thing. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about uh, As opposed to black sheep, almost no animals are harmed. Some horses. <laughs> Just people. Uh, but a lot of people. So for those of my friends, and I know there are several of them who, who dislike people, yeah. you will enjoy seeing them get their comeuppance. <laughs> yes. Yes. And people stew. We get some people stew. Oh, yeah. People are served any number of ways. Jerky and stews and... I think an interesting lesson is learned here, too, how a great actor can make lines that shouldn't work work. That that whole uh, eat to live, don't live to eat. Yes, is like it. it he's like almost tw you know twirling his mustache. Yeah, it's almost high camp. But Carlisle is just a great actor, so you go with it. You go with it. I uh, in the same sort of vein. Uh, oh, I I shouldn't talk about it. It's it's one of Jeffrey Jones' uh, speeches where he's talking to towards the end where right. he's talking to. Uh, uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, and he's got this just matter-of-fact sort of being who Jeffrey Jones is right from the start of the movie. He's just kind of this lug who ended up in charge of this post. He's fairly smart, but yeah. not too smart, and just kind of managed to find this position. And despite and the lunacy... favor before you go. Yeah. <laughs> despite the lunacy around him, he just has this matter-of-fact, well, this is where I am in the world, and I guess we'll just do this. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah, it's performances like that. They, they yeah, either they either they wrote the movie for these characters or they got these, these actors and then uh, made some subtle alterations and said, look, what could we do with this? And, and go from there. Because they, they fit so, so well <laughs> that either it was a brilliant casting director or they did a lot of, a lot of work on set tooling the script. Say a prayer for your old man. No dead bodies for Dad Dad tonight. Have your own. I got bit. Bit by what? If I told you, you probably wouldn't believe me. They're not living. How was that? They're not dead. The hell are the bodies? They're gone. They're not stopping. What the hell is going on? This infection will spread all over the world. You want the story? I'll spin it for you quick. We got a face full of DC too. But the laws of science are broken. Right now, the soldiers are turning. 
Don't taunt me, Tramp. Once that happens, they'll tear us apart whether they want to or not. The side effect is terror. I swore to my men that I'd do everything in my power. All right, um, so we took a look at the extended and unrated edition of Planet Terror, which, as we discussed, was uh, the first half of the Grindhouse experiment. Was uh, it the first? Were they released at the same time, or was it before and then... It's a double feature. When you saw it in the theater, you saw... But they were 80-minute versions. This yeah, is like a, this that's is, right. This is like 104 minutes. This, right. There's a lot more to it than you yeah. saw there. Same thing with Death Proof. It was like an 80-minute version of Death Proof. Yeah. Um, but I think, first of all, you're, uh, they should have switched them around. Death Proof should have been first. This should yeah. have been second, uh, because the pace of Death Proof for the first half is mm-hmm. very, very slow. And after already being almost in theater for almost two hours, you really feel your butt getting numb yes. for the first half of Death yeah. Proof. But um, Planet Terror is like a straight-up, you know, <laughs> trashy, uh, 70s, grainy deliberate-looking zombie movie. Yeah. Um, it, it is the... The template for this is what Hobo for the Shotgun basically borrows. Um, the Tarantino and Rodriguez wanted to make, like, an old-school drive-in double feature. Yeah. Uh, and they each contributed a film, and they're sort of, like, throwback, nostalgic, uh, sleaze features. And I think that Planet Terror is much the better of the two. And as I said before, I kind of am in the minority about this. There's the whole cult of Tarantino. I like Tarantino. I think Death Proof is one of his weakest films. I think... uh, I'll put this on the table right now, and I mean it doesn't necessarily apply to this movie because it's Robert Rodriguez, but in terms of Tarantino, I think he's a very talented filmmaker that people don't say no to enough. I see a very George Lucas future for him (laughs) one day. Well, anyway, we should focus on Planet yes, Terror. Yes, yes. Death should. Proof will be a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the main characters are uh, Robert, or not Robert Rodriguez, Freddie Rodriguez and yeah. uh, Rose McGowan. McGowan. Um, she's a go-go dancer who can't get through a set without crying. <laughs> and he's like a five-foot-nothing badass. Yeah. <laughs> when, when people... Nowhere connected to you know that particular scene here. His name El Rey. They they react with awe. This is the El Rey, <laughs> yes. and he he proves it through the movie. He's a badass killer. He's an amazing driver. He drives an acrobat. A, an acrobat. <laughs> he drives a mini bike like one of those little pocket motorcycles down the highway, and he makes it look kind of badass. Yes. Uh, though it is true that these two are our main protagonists, I think what uh, you know keeps the movie going and interesting is sort of this cavalcade of faces that we see throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah. You got your Michael Bean, you got uh, your Bruce Willis, you got oh, your Josh Brolin, um, Jeff Fahey, you know. Uh, who else? Lots of people. Oh, God, it just keeps going. <laughs> uh, so every few minutes, you're like, hey, that guy. And of course... Quentin Tarantino playing a scumbag like he loves to do. More literally a scumbag than, than, <laughs> than even, usual. Yeah, than usual. Uh, bare bones plot, uh, some sort of weapons deal, shady weapons deal is going down. It doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, some chemicals get leaked and the uh, m- people in the immediate area, they're Flesh gets all melty and soft, and they turn into these toxic zombies. Yes. And go on a rampage. Yes. And the surrounding neighborhood and small town sort yeah. of gets besieged by it. And uh, it's very, you know, tongue-in-cheek. It, very, it knows what it is. There's a lot of tropes. The, the you know, the, the, 
the weathered sheriff who's seen it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, his difficult relationship with his brother that, you know, we know where that story's yeah. going and culminating to. The hooker with a heart of gold, really. Hooker, essentially. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen the hooker with a heart of gold get her leg eaten and then have no. it replaced with a shotgun that she can apparently Machine psychically gun. fire. Oh, <laughs> yes. No, no pulling of the trigger. She just... <laughs> It just, just lifts and thinks, yeah, shoot. Just jammed on there with a chair leg, or, you know, attachment sort of thing, just railed on there. Uh, it's actually one of the things that, that breaks the illusion of the, the sort of grainy 70s feel is how good the special effects are. Yeah. Uh, in a way, the special effects are too well handled. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, kind of an issue for me, too. Like, I, I would draw the closest parallel, of course, between this and Hobo with a Shotgun, like you yeah. said. They're both trying to be that 70s... Uh, grindhouse movie. movie. And I think Hobo with a Shotgun did a better job. Yeah. I think, I think Rodriguez maybe was a little closer to the Hollywood system. And the fact that I got a feeling too, like he's, he's very into that special effects side of it and having his, his, his ranch is his shooting studio and he's got this amazing, uh, effects team out there and everything that he works with on the all this stuff like he just does a 3d spy kids movie out of his house basically oh his little troublemaker studios yeah and his willingness to incorporate uh, anything uh, into his movie yeah his his doctor said something funny so his doctor ended up being in the movie yes uh, yeah the, the his baby... real estate agent becomes the guy who runs the go-go club yeah. like just yeah uh, the uh, girls who babysit his kids yeah become you know these crazy babysitters. were they actually his babysitters yeah, oh, I a, didn't realize it's a special feature on there you can watch. Where he talks oh, that's about fantastic! Um, I've had this conversation. I can't remember who we're talking. About. Maybe it was Jared. I can't remember, but uh, I've always thought that uh, Rodriguez uh, is uh, the kind of director who will work on the fly. Where they'll get there, they have the storyboards, they have the script, yeah, and they're like, okay, we're ready to go. And then Rodriguez will say. Wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if blank happened? Yeah. And sometimes that's really good and they can put it together and it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But I like his everything in the kitchen sink approach. And it's a soft pitch for me in this movie because I love the zombie format. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really great special effects too in this. There's the, the, the slime, the sort of melty toxic yes. element to the zombies is really well realized. The the one scene that I think of when you say that is is where Bruce Willis the, the soldiers, there's a cadre of soldiers <laughs> in this that are are in pursuit of this uh this agent, this chemical agent that's been turning people into zombies because they were exposed to it uh during uh I, I don't know which... Well, they, they killed Osama Bin Laden. Yes, yes. And then were exposed to this, this chemical agent, which is slowly turning them into zombies. But they discovered if you continuously breathe it, you don't turn. So they're all wearing gas masks, and they're always hunting for more of this chemical. And that's their kind of through line through the movie, is they're trying to capture what's left of this gas, the yeah. tanks that are left. And there's a scene where uh, where Bruce Willis is is speaking to the main characters and espousing you know his story of what happened to them and everything. And he pulls his mask off and just slowly, as the scene goes on, because he's not breathing gas, his face just starts to melt bubbling. a little bit. Yeah. It's literally bubbling. There's these boils that that pulsate on his face and stuff. It's it's well done. Yeah. It was a cool it was a cool set of uh, special effects. Um, uh, there's also a couple of moments in the movies like. Wow, they went there. There's a whole sequence where uh, the Josh Brolin's wife gets her hands anesthetized, yes. 
and she runs home to save her her beloved son. Yeah, and she's in the car with him. First, we get the comic sort of funny sequence of her trying to drive a car without the use yeah. of her hands, and this is all sort of funny and ha 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 ha. And then she gets to the house and gets her kid in the car. And she has to leave for a second. Yeah. So she leaves him with the gun, and she gives him this big speech, you know, be careful with this, and if you see your daddy, you shoot your daddy. Yeah. And then she leaves the car, and the gun goes off, and her kid has just killed himself. We assume it's never shown, and apparently there is footage. Yes. Of him that was at the end of the son. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's what my read was. Yeah, he, he didn't want... His he, son he could yeah, and he, he couldn't use it. He didn't cast another kid because yeah. he couldn't bear to think of some other parent seeing a scene where their kid was killed. So he's all, you my own son. And they shot a completely different set of scenes where the kid was okay. Yeah. And that's the cut they have in their house. <laughs> like, if they ever decide to watch it, they watch the one where the kid turns out okay because he can't watch it any other way. Well, I mean, it's interesting. And again, another example of him incorporating someone from his own life into the movie relatively yeah. successfully. But that scene sticks out as, like, really weird. There's a goofiness and a craziness uh, to that movie where you yeah. can sort of smile and laugh things off. And I don't know that we were asked to smile and laugh that moment off. That just was, like, really no. genuinely yuck. Yeah. And what was it doing in this movie? Yeah. It seemed like it belonged somewhere else. Uh, and, and almost... Well, it, it was really sort of brushed off. Like, for a woman that has lost her son and is being hunted by her zombie husband, she she doesn't suffer much for it compared to the other... Like, more for it than the other characters. Like, characters who are just fighting for their survival seem just as invested. Yeah. And it felt a little off. <laughs> almost like, you know, well, we can't shoot any more scenes with him. He's He's got to go to school tomorrow, so yeah. now he's dead. And let's yeah. keep going. Uh, like I say... The main characters are significantly less interested than a lot of the peripheral characters. Absolutely. It was the, you know, like Jeff Hay and Michael Bean that yeah. were sort of making me smile or, or catching, oh, there's Tom Savini getting cut into several pieces. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, not to say anything against, you know, uh, Freddie Rodriguez or, you know, Rose McGowan. They, they were fine, but in a lot of ways, they just. They were playing the types. Hooker with a Heart of Gold and the Badass. They were optimally cast, because they were exactly the caliber of actor that would have gotten this job in the <laughs> 70s. Um, and, yeah, they, they gave great performances for their skill level and, and abilities and such like that. They were, they were enjoyable to watch at all times, I think. The movie's fun. The movie is fun. And I think that's all it really wants to be, which is sort of why the, the kid killing himself scene yeah. is the one big bizarre question mark <laughs> for it. And, you know, it, it probably is was better served at 80 minutes, but I didn't hate it at 104 minutes. I, you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd seen it originally in theaters. I remember being unimpressed. I, I thought it was okay. You know, I had fun. I didn't ask for my money back. Right. And then I watched it again here, and, excuse me, I was more impressed with... The movie, I liked uh, a lot of the character choices. I'd forgotten uh, kind of the, the shift at the start where... Uh, I'm going to look up the actress's name because I want to say it right. Uh, where are we here? Dakota... Oh, sorry, Mary Shelton. She plays uh, Josh Brolin's doctor wife. Right. Um, where off the top of the movie, it really seems like Josh Brolin is the good guy. Yeah. He's his father who loves his son. His wife is 
cheating on him, it seems, and she's gonna steal the sun away, and she's, she dresses like a slut in a, in a lab coat, and she just seems awful. Enjoys giving injections. And she has a special injection kit, she's obviously a bad guy. And they do this, just 180 scene where it turns out that that's completely backward. She might be kind of a jerk, but Josh Brolin is way worse. Yes, yes. She is right to want to get away from her. Yeah, husband. yeah. <laughs> and and I, I watched that again and went, that's actually, that's much smarter than I gave this movie credit for. It was a fun <laughs> little twist that they didn't need to do, and they did, and I, I, I enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's completely stupid. The entire movie is yes. wall-to-wall stupidity. Yeah. But it makes no bones about it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it's fun, and it's violent, and uh, yeah. like I say, they're constantly saying, oh, look who's here now. Yeah. Here's another, you know, face yeah. showing up, you know. Uh, you're not wasting your time by yeah. watching Planet Terror. No, uh, if uh, the only complaint I'll have on it now and I uh, uh, is that I think Rodriguez is is a director that needs to... He needs to be taken out of the process about a step and a half more than he is right now. Because I think he just he just polishes a little too hard towards the end. Everything is just... A, like, when he when he tries for... it, I, I Yeah, when he tried for kind of 70s look, he couldn't resist going a little too good with the special effects. And... He always wants to give the audience everything. He wants to get them laughing and, and like screaming. Yeah. Uh, almost all of the Rodriguez movies of late are sort of like the goofier John Carpenter movies. Yes. You know, like Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. Where They Live, where yeah. like the movie has its beginning, middle, and end. There's a story that we're supposed to take semi-seriously, but basically it's a goof. Yeah. Um, and much like Carpenter, I would say the same thing too. I almost prefer it when you know he's doing a job for hire and he just tries yes. to tell a straight story. Because that's when it tends to get scary. Jared and I talked about The Faculty, uh, which he did. Uh, Robert Rodriguez directed it. Uh, it was basically a higher job. It yeah. was before he had his own studio. I don't think he'd I realized done, that. He'd done El Mariachi, the, yeah. uh, the American version, Desperado, and mm-hmm. From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And they hired him to do The Faculty. Okay. And it doesn't have the flourishes and the craziness yeah. that you typically see from Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. But it's a very efficiently, well-executed yeah. movie. And I kind of nostalgic for that in mm-hmm. a way I wish he would like find a good script and just do the script you know yeah. he doesn't have to doesn't have to always you know include the kitchen sink they don't always have to be this wink wink machete kills uh, once upon a time in Mexico you know style as substance. Sin City yeah. is the epitome of that a movie that I enjoyed very much the first time and less and less the more I watch it uh, it's what I call a sound off movie mm-hmm. uh, much like a Desperado is like this for me. I think that it's beautifully shot uh, and that the action sequences are amazing. Yeah. But the story and dialogue kind of drive me crazy. Gotcha. So I'll put some music on or something yeah. and that'll be just sort of playing in the background. It's yeah. a sound on. <laughs> you could uh, do that with Planet Terror and still you, understand what's happening, but I wouldn't. You it's, could. But it's uh, nice and cheesy and... Uh, this is a sound on. Movie. It's a great soundtrack too. It's, well, if anything, you know what? It's probably got the best soundtrack out of the ones we've heard so far it's got a great yeah great growling rock 
I did enjoy the synth, like, self-consciously 80s uh, score to Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, I, re- I for- totally forgot to mention that. I'm going <laughs> to skip back to it. That was one of my favorite moments, uh, is the song that plays over the closing credits. And again, I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. Right. But, but... <laughs> if you're from Canada and you watch you Hobo will, with a Shotgun... You'll clap with glee. You'll, 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 it'll tickle your ear and you go, do I know? No. That can't... No, and then it is, and it's awesome. <laughs> the closing moments of Hobo with the Shotgun, they managed to rape your childhood. <laughs> uh, Planet Terror doesn't manage to rape my childhood, but no. uh, it's it's a good time. It is. It's a great time. Yeah, more so than the first time I saw it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun movie. Here's what I'm going to say, and I am very positive about Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely mad, bonkers movie, uh, and it has stuff in it that shouldn't, and some will argue, don't work. Yeah. But uh, they very successfully managed to cross-breed these two uh, different franchises. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen everything, by the time they do the credit scroll to the metal yeah. store and there's chunks of, of flesh flying at the screen, you know everything that you need to know to watch the yeah. movie. Uh, Freddy has been in hell and been sort of forgotten. Yeah. Like, they figured a way to defeat Freddy is that if none of the kids know that Freddy exists, they, they can't can. be as scared of they him. They can't dream of him. And so, yeah. uh, so this has been working well. So Freddy in hell finds Jason, resurrects Jason, and sends Jason to kill kids in Elm Street. Yeah. Uh, so that people will bring up Freddy, kids will be scared of Freddy, Freddy yeah. will come back. Freddy does come back, but now Jason's killing all of his yeah. kids. <laughs> so the fight happens. Um, maybe one of the benefits of this being in pre-production for a decade is that they finally cracked the code on that. I'm not saying this is a brilliant script, no, Evan. No, but, uh, but it's very... You know what? It does, it, does a, it does a solid job. There aren't any real... Well, oh, I won't say that. I won't say there's no gaps in the story. But you know what? It's it's very serviceable. It makes enough sense that they can just sort of mention it, and nobody goes, nobody in the audience is going to go, "What? Why uh, would?" And the prologue sequence, which I'm talking yeah. about here, actually has Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger talking straight exposition yeah. to the audience. Yeah. Face in the camera, Errol Morris style interview <laughs> subject. Freddy Krueger is telling us his scheme. He's like doing a Bond villain monologue to the audience. Like it's it shouldn't work. It, it's like it's so ridiculous, and it's yeah. one of the first things you see. And then you know, cut to your classic Friday the Thirteenth. There is a naked woman swimming. Yeah. She gets killed by Jason Voorhees yeah. for her libidinous behavior. They don't, they don't even bother to show the guy. <laughs> yeah, There's no. no point in, in even bringing 
the guy into the situation is just the girl's already on the dock and she's already taken her top yeah, off. Yeah, it's ten minutes into the movie and Ronnie yeah. Yu has nailed both franchises. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that's, they're not exploitive. I'm not, you know, take them what, for what they are. I mean, I'm not defending it necessarily, but I'm saying he was true to both franchises. Yeah. And he somehow manages to sustain that for the entire 96 whatever minutes of yeah. the, the, the movie. Um, there's a lot of plot to hit. There's a lot of characters to introduce and to kill off. Yeah. There's a lot of good centerpiece kills. Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the guy getting squished in the bed. Yes. And a big fan of the Jason Voorhees walking through a rave and carving a path <laughs> through the wave with his fucking machete. Yeah. Awesome. I would say the only time I called shenanigans as a hardcore Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees yeah. fan was the first attack on the house. Um, we get yeah. our sort of hodgepodge of, you know, archetypal teenage kids. Yeah. Most interestingly enough, G uh, Catherine Isabel, Ginger from Ginger Snaps, right. sort of plays the, the sort of more slutty yes. uh, of yeah. the group. Um, they're all hanging out in a house, and we know Jason is coming. She flicks her cigarette out the window, and it bounces off the hockey mask, you know, is coming. And Jason comes into the house, kills one kid, and leaves. <laughs> yeah. This, to me, does kind of, you know, sort of little fan quake. Yeah. The Jason Voorhees I know and love would not leave that house yeah. until all of those fucking kids were dead. <laughs> so that was the one time that he's just like, oh, well, you know, maybe that should have just been a whole separate group of kids that just got yeah. massacred and then we moved on. But, uh, you know, I guess they wanted to introduce us to our main yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, her mother had been killed by... Uh, Freddy Krueger, she's on these pills to help her forget, and uh, her boyfriend has been committed. She has the whole background that sort of sets up mm -hmm. the Freddy angle of the story. Yeah. Um, Jason is basically a blunt instrument in the movie, which yeah. is, again, smart, because he doesn't speak. Yeah. As dumb, as crazy as all of this is, you know, there is uh, there's a bizarre logic to it. I'm sorry, David. I'm going to hand it over to you because I've been rambling. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, uh, please, what do you think of Freddy vs. Jason? I, I, I will, I will be perfectly honest. It's, it's going to be on the bottom of my list. Okay. I had very little invested into it coming in, which is probably the biggest problem I would have had with it. I found it very by the numbers. And what I was going to ask you, like in terms of mad movies, which is kind of the theme of this, I didn't really understand how it fit into that category for you. Well, what, what was more mad about it? Because as much as, yeah, it's crazy that they get these two horror titans together, it's taken ten years of writing and they've, you know, they've got them going at it. Afterwards, it kind of plays like a, it's a, it's a slasher flick by that point. Like, the kids die one at a time, mm -hmm. and in ways that show off kind of the, the worst aspects of their personalities or what have you. You know, the the stoner gets too stoned and gets killed. The sassy black woman mouths off too much. and <laughs> You know, they it, it's kind of that by-the-numbers sort of thing. And, and the, the novelty was just the Freddy versus Jason thing. And that only pays off in the last... 20 minutes. 20 yeah. minutes of the movie, basically. So for a lot of it, I was kind of like, okay, well... Here's a lower budget scream in yeah. a lot of ways for me. Well, um, for me, uh, I guess, and again, I'm a fan of both franchises. Oh, I think that Freddy versus Jason, as far as you know, achieving what it sets out to achieve, and, yeah. and we're you know, uh, delivering the goods on either franchise, 
is as good an, an installment as either franchise produced okay. independently. Yeah. Uh, and I do think there's a lot of imagination put into the, the, the movie. That, yeah. Like, uh, I think that Ronnie Yu is legitimately talented. Yes. Uh, and the subject for this movie is ridiculous, but yeah. I, I, a talented man was Well, it, it does probably have... It's not a, an Oscar-winning screenplay by any stretch, <laughs> but it probably has one of the smarter plots that came out of either of those series for a long time because basically they were just rote i mean jason wakes up jason kills a bunch of kids jason gets knocked down for a while but he's going to get back up and then jason's going to kill a bunch of kids they came up with a story for the characters that tied it all together yeah. and there, there cleanly are, there are some bright spots i mean yeah. uh, nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors was written sure. by frank darabont yeah okay and there's some really cool ideas in yeah. that script um you know uh Friday the 13th uh, has this turning point in the series about halfway above part 6 where Jason goes from being the sort of feared villain to the protagonist of yeah. the series. We're officially here just to watch Jason kill yeah. people and the movie stopped pretending that there's yeah. anything other. See, that's really what I was getting at is, is the series themselves had some great ideas and especially so early on. Again, I haven't watched them, but the the bits I've because I you know I'll go yeah. on Wikipedia and I'll read the plots for all the movies and without you know renting them, which I right. should do. But uh, you know, as you go on and you get to your eighth, ninth, tenth movie, you're you're just running on the same ideas, and somehow they manage to put them together and put gas back in the tank. Yes, you know indeed. that's that's what was surprising. It was it was I'll, I'll give it this. It was energetic. It yeah. was very earnest. Um, I just didn't, I didn't find it to be a mad movie. Like, it just right. felt like another, well, I won't say another slasher flick. It felt like a slasher flick. Right. A good one. Right. You know, to, uh, to all extents, but. I think it's mad for me that yeah. this movie exists. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of the modern equivalent of, you know, I don't know, Dracula meets the Wolfman or something yeah. like this. This is our sort of version <laughs> of that. But it is so bonkers. And the fact that it was so embraced by the public and that, yeah, you know, Kelly Rowlands from Destiny's Child, mm -hmm. uh, you know, calls Freddy Krueger a faggot. <laughs> And says he's wearing a Christmas sweater. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the kid from a girl next door, mm -hmm. uh, you know, has a death scene in, a, in this horror movie that kind of means something. It kind of did. kind of like, oh, that sucks, dude. It kind of does a noble, <laughs> you know? well, almost noble thing. I, I don't know if it's for noble reasons or what it is, but yeah, he has a... Uh, but uh, when he died, you were like, oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that one, the stoner guy was clearly channeling Jay from yes. Jay and Silent Bob. 100%. And it bothered me and everybody, you know, got yeah. an extra little zing when he got cut in half. Yeah. And I think that's deliberate. I think that, you know, his character, uh, unlike the uh, horror movies these days, where increasingly we're seeing the pothead character as something of a hero figure, yes. uh, back in the day, drugs equal sin. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the fact that this kid had failed to, you know, have his own identity. Yeah. If they weren't <laughs> evil, they were, they were at least a buffoon to be... <laughs> to be uh, ridiculed, and you didn't want to be like them, you uh, know. And now they're, yeah, you're right. Like uh, uh, this is the end. Is yeah. is the the apex of that right now, where they got every stoner actor together in one movie <laughs> and just had them get continuously high through the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess Freddy Krueger becomes the villain in this movie. Uh, in yes. a way, it's not that we're cheering for Jason, but we hate Freddy, right? You, yeah, <laughs> he, he's both. He's both 
more diabolical because Jason is he's just he's exploiting Jason's he's a, skills. Well, he's really he's 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 uh, set up as just a big child yeah. who does what his mother says. Yeah. And uh, doesn't know any better. I mean, I, I had the same feeling during it that there's even a scene towards the end where the two remaining teens they're they're able to escape. They can get in a boat and get away yeah. from this this clash of the titans between Freddy and Jason. But the girl refuses to go because yeah. she wants to see Freddy die. Yeah. There's no mention of the fact that Jason has killed like two or three of her good friends in front of her. In front of her. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's caused her an enormous amount of pain yes. as well. But she's rooting for him. And because you're rooting for her, you're rooting for Jason, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, you know, this is like <laughs> who you're voting for here, who you're cheering for here is just like the two-party system in the United States. Yes. Yeah. Do you want the puppet on the left or the puppet on the right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've always preferred Jason, so I was cheering for Jason going in. But, yeah, well, I think that the movie consciously makes Freddy the villain, you know? Yes. When, they, when he shrinks Jason down to his, you know, child form and spikes his claw into... Jason's brain to learn his origin and yeah. find his, you know, yeah. the this, this key that will help him destroy The him. weakness that apparently yeah. is never mentioned in any other movie. <laughs> all of all of this... Uh, the movie, I think, is mad. And I like yeah. that it's, it was made in Canada. I like seeing all these Canadian supporting yeah. roles uh, here and there. And... Um, I, it, it delivered yeah. in a way that I could not have anticipated. When the movie, when I heard the movie was being made, I was like, "I'm going to get around to watching that, and it's going to suck." <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to watch yeah. it. There, and I couldn't believe how much I liked it when yeah. I went to see it, and I saw it in the theater with my dear yeah. friend Scott, and uh, we were just we we came out sort of beaming. <laughs> Did you kind of feel like it was the guy? There's a guy who owns the rights to Freddy. There's a guy who owns the rights to Jason, and they they somehow sat at the same table at lunch. And discovered that you know what if we work together we can we can make enough of a tax dive on this movie to make another million dollars. Well, it's quite the but, opposite. Though. But that's not how it turned out. No, I think yeah. that it's because the rights are such a nightmare that it took that long to get the movie yeah. made. And since the movie was really really successful, and they probably didn't set up the sequel rights in uh, originally, you know. Uh, Robert Englund might well be old and haggard before we ever see yeah. a sequel. But it's weird. I kind of thought, other than the Alien vs. Predators, uh, we haven't seen a lot of this, and they, they seem to be pretty successful. I don't know why we don't have Michael Myers versus Leatherface or, 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 or whatever. You know, I mean, do I want that movie? I don't know, but I'm just saying that yeah. this movie made way more money than it was supposed to, and usually Hollywood, you know, keeps ringing the bell until people stop. You Especially know. now, and and you're probably somebody somewhere is looking at another way to pair those up. You know, those, those Gremlins versus Critters. Yeah, please, <laughs> please. Um, I, I guess Freddy vs. Jason is a guilty pleasure of mine, but it yeah. really is a pleasure. I mean, I I don't like it ironically. I genuinely like this yeah. movie. Um, and a lot of, like, uh, the completest nature of me is, you know, like, um, you know, I, I have all of the Friday the 13th movies, but I know that, that like, some of them are... Just awful. Yeah. Just awful. I do enjoy watching them, but they're just awful. I don't think Freddy vs. Jason is awful. Yeah. I think in its own way, it's the best Freddy vs. Jason movie yeah. it could be. As The whole time I was watching it, I'll, I'll put this to you, when I, I was trying to fit it into the Mad Movies category, and I, I, I still find it kind of be 
the odd duck in this group. Mm-hmm. It's it's it feels like the odd one out for for all six movies. If I were to have picked a similar movie, yeah. but more in the mad movie genre, I would have went with Jason X. Jason in space. Jason, Jason in space. <laughs> that is a bizarre movie, and it's got some but utterly bonkers. So is Jason goes to hell, and yeah. so is Jason. Takes so where do you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So is, yeah, uh, yeah. I think this kind of this sort of collision of these icons yeah. and just how like hardcore it is uh, and yeah like Jason using uh, or Freddy throwing Jason around like he's a in a, in a pinball machine yeah and, and well, it's, it's almost <laughs> literally a pinball machine when they're they're in that construction site yeah. and that cement crane thing just keeps bouncing off the walls like a pinball and they're constantly ducking and that's you know what I, I never really thought of it until you started talking about the director that that's more a kung fu scene than oh, yeah. than a lot of stuff where but you know, a great choice yeah, yeah yeah two guys are are somehow tied to you know like Jason's speared to the ground and Freddy's yeah he's upside down tied to the cement thing and they're still able to battle because they're you know they're super kung fu ninjas <laughs> and I and it's to, got that energy to it and I have yeah. to think if they if they you know have you know Marcus Nispel or one of these you know Bruckheimer, you know, type of directors, uh, that it would be all like fast insert cuts and stuff like this. Yeah. Whereas that fight between Freddy and Jason on the dock, where Jason is hitting Freddy with the machete yeah. over and <laughs> over again in one long shot and like red mist is like, yeah, <laughs> out of him. It's insane. It's was- insane. And like, Millions of people put down ten bucks to watch. I gotta, this shit I gotta, I gotta pull this out too. There was, there was a scene that bothered me in that scene too. Just some poor special effects, and I don't know how it made the cut where, where Jason takes a swing at Freddy. And what's supposed to happen is he's just supposed to have like a gout of blood from his chest, but obviously the squibs is a little late. Well, they weren't put right because you can see three utterly distinct. And very narrow sprays. Yes. Like somebody had three super soaker nozzles underneath his sweater <laughs> come out. And I think it was supposed to be one big goat, and it just didn't work. But they didn't reshoot it. I guess that maybe you can only reset that set so many times. It almost felt like a, it could be like a, a Gallagher concert or like Evil Dead the Musical. Yeah. Or if they did some sort of cheesy thing where if you were in the front row of the theater, you'd actually get blood <laughs> on you. <laughs> See, that uh, would be sweet. Yeah. This is a, a, a fanboy thing, and I think anybody who wants to see Freddy vs. Jason probably has by now, but I endorse it. I endorse it. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. It's sort of the same guilty feeling that I feel like when I tell people, no, I actually really like Jackass. Yeah. I think you should watch them. I think if you're having a bad day, turn on Jackass. Uh, it's completely depraved and yeah. base yeah. and, like, vile, but it is fucking hilarious. My recommend- I kind of feel similarly about Freddy yeah. vs. Jason. I, would, I think I'd similarly recommend it to people that are fans of the series. I can definitely see people, like, just like you said, people who've grown, grown up with it, they enjoy the movies, are going to find a lot to like in it, and a lot of you know fan fiction they put in their own heads is going to come true <laughs> on the screen. Um, for the casual viewer, I think you'd find it more... It's it's pretty obviously low budget. There's some pretty shaky CGI in it yeah. at times, pretty noticeable. Um, but that's due to budget constraints and not, I think, lack of earnestness. Yeah. 
which uh, so the people that love the franchises will still love it, but people who maybe didn't will probably find it cheesy and odd. Well, I mean, if you're not a fan of the genre, you're not a fan of. The well, genre. not even the genre. I think I think you can enjoy the genre, but if all you watched was Halloween movies, yeah. I don't know if you'd enjoy this <laughs> more or less. You know, I think I think you I think you really have to be invested in these characters. Uh, yeah, and if you are, I bet you'd enjoy it. Uh, I always refer to Freddy vs. Jason as the uh, uh, masterpiece. The masterpiece. Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, whether or not you consider it a masterpiece, I think it's a movie that will have legs. I think it's a curio. I think it's sort of like, you know, in the way that Abbott can sell and meet the mummy or like uh, one of these old things. It's just, it's yeah. weird and kind of awesome that it exists and people will remember it for that. If anything in current Hollywood, and I'll, I'll back you up on this too, that the story that ties it all together works. It's yeah. not deep. Nope. It's explained at the start in a, in a, in a decent monologue with some, some cool effects and stuff. They get it out of the way quick, and then they don't really dwell on it. And the problem with a lot of mashup movies, like your Aliens vs. Predator, let's say, is they they try to cram in a hundred different little bits, and they just literally try and push the two things together rather than think about it for a while. And I think if more studios that are looking to you know put things together and just... If they're going to rehash and they're going to try and remix stuff, at least maybe watch stuff like this, where it seems like they they got some 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 of the ideas very right. It's evidence that you can make crossover movies somewhat successfully. Yes, yes, a rare thing. Yeah, God only knows what'll be next. <laughs> Devin, that is uh, six mad movies six. reviewed, so that's it's the magic hour. It man. was six <laughs> movies worth watching, and I'll tell you, it's it's it wasn't. I I I've ranked them, and I don't want their places in the ranking necessarily to reflect on the movies. Yeah, because I mean, there's probably a stack of other movies that would go well below. They're they're all deserving of certain things. When the when I find a crop of like six movies that are quite good, I do find making the, the rank sort of more difficult yeah. because uh you got to kill your darlings in a little bit, but yeah. uh uh it's it's a little easier when there's a couple of stinkers in the mix. Yeah. I don't think there's any like real stinkers in the no, mix. No. I think that if it hits you the wrong day, certain movies you just won't yeah. agree with you, but uh, or if, if you're, you're in the mood to watch something yeah. mad, uh yeah. you should put these on the menu. All right. Uh, well, what let's. What's your least favorite and why? I'm I'm gonna say Freddy versus Jason. Right. Uh, uh, same reasons I gave before. I'd say I I found it to be uh, a slasher movie and not as mad a movie as the rest. If anything, I'm probably simply ranking it against the category rather than maybe the strength of the movie okay. itself. Um, it had its moments. It uh, it had some cool deaths. It had some cool lines. It has a cool way of tying. Uh, the two franchises together. 
in terms of a mad movie, not as mad for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, next, I'd go to Planet Terror. Uh, again, uh, it's a it's a fun movie. It's a great movie. I'm not as much a fan of how the material was treated compared to Hobo with a Shotgun. Okay. I think Hobo with a Shotgun did a better job of it. So, I mean, the two movies are great, but if you're going to make me compare the two, I'm going to put Hobo with a Shotgun on top, for sure. Uh, next, we'd go to Evil Dead 2. Um, again, a fantastic movie. Um, but, I, I don't know, like, it is a mad movie. It's it's kind of the, the granddaddy of them all. But I think a lot of these other movies have watched it, and they've found ways to improve it even more. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's great, but it's, uh, you know, it's the difference between you know, a, a delicious hamburger and a delicious hamburger with all the fixings. You know, both are great, but you're probably going to, you know, improve it over time sort of thing, <laughs> the more stuff you add on if you do it right. So that's where I put that one. Uh, Ravenous came in at number three. Hey, Ravenous. Uh, a fantastic movie. Uh, I did really enjoy it. Well acted. Bizarre. Uh, everything we talked about, it's, it's weird tonally. It's... It's not like any other movie you've probably seen. I can't think of a comparison one to it. My my knowledge of this genre is more limited than yours. Maybe you've seen something similar. Uh, you know, there's other cannibal movies. Yeah, but uh, this style with this you know type of cast and yeah. this kind of through line, it it yeah, it doesn't it doesn't play like any other movie I've really seen. And it's it's very much well uh, very much worth watching. Probably one of the lesser watched ones of the pile here and. Uh, one of the ones uh, better to seek out. Uh, number two was Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, I had enormous fun watching that the first time in theater. I had as much fun watching it again at home on DVD. Uh, cool characters, way over the top. Um, very imaginative. Uh, imaginative. Very... Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's... You got to be into that sort of genre of movie, and you got to enjoy the cheese because <laughs> it's just heaped on there. But if you get into that groove, you will laugh your way through some horribly depraved things <laughs> and feel slightly dirty by the end. And last but not least, number one, of course, is Black Sheep. Wow! <laughs> uh, I will firmly put that one at the top. It had wow. It had. Great special effects without appearing too polished, like I thought happened in um, in Planet Terror. Uh, it I think maybe based on on really limiting their CGI and going with really solid practical effects. It's something not every movie is doing now, and I think it worked really well in this movie. They had a fantastic crew, of course, in Weta to do it, and it uh, it paid off in spades. Uh, it's it's well enough acted. The story is really original. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, of of all of them, I had the mo I, I, I at the very least it's number one because I had the most fun watching it. I think it was the 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 funnest wow. of the pile. Let's say. Well, uh, I'm not going to argue with you because I like all of these movies, yeah. but uh, we have shockingly different lists. Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry, no prizes are going to be handed out today. <laughs> but you you do have the option, should you choose, to uh, come back again and do another rank and review with Ooh. me. Okay, so at the bottom of the list for me, believe it or not, 
I actually am putting Hobo with a shot. Oh, yeah? Uh, again, I like all of these movies. I did have a good time with it. Um, I really did feel like... We talked about the opening five minutes. Yeah. Where the guy gets decapitated and the woman's dancing yeah. in the rain of blood. In a way, once you've seen those first five minutes... Yeah. You've kind of seen this whole movie. Oh. I, I mean, it's completely bonkers and yeah. crazy and... Uh, you know, you got you got the monologues from from Rutger Hauer, yeah. who I do think is genuinely good in the movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm a complete supporter of Canadian films. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do say check out Hobo with a, a Shotgun. Yeah. For my money, uh, I just put it at the bottom of the list yeah. because something had to be at the bottom. You know, of I the think list. I think that's what people hopefully will take away from this. These are six <laughs> movies worth watching. So yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I go uh, Planet Terror for number five. Yeah. Uh, you said that you preferred Hobo with a Shotgun slightly over yeah. to the aesthetic. Uh, this might be a gimme because of the zombies being involved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also felt like, uh, well, other than the plague aspect of the Hobo with a Shotgun, there's a little bit more variety to the madness in, in Planet Terror okay. than there was to Hobo with a yeah. Shotgun. That's true. Uh, I'll give you that. Hobo with a shotgun was basically depravity is punished. Yeah. Depravity is punished. Whereas you didn't know what was around the next corner in, in Planet Terror. So I gave it that. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, number four, Black Sheep. Oh, really? That <laughs> far down? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's it ain't easy. But uh, the zombies, we even call, they're not really, but you called them zombies. Zombie sheep. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. And like I say... Uh, one of the main reasons I included the, this big crop of movies, and why, you know, it's sort of central in the ranking, but uh, I want people to check this movie out. Yeah. I really do. If you haven't seen Black Sheep, it's 80 minutes of your life. Yeah. I would be very shocked if you thought it was wasted. Yeah. You might not like it as much as we do, but you're not going to be bored by it, and you're not going to say, I'll, damn, what a I'm, waste of life. I'm going to throw this out, and I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. I watched Black Sheep. Uh, a few weeks ago, and then I wanted to watch it again to refresh myself for this. So right. I threw it on last night, but because I wanted to get to bed, I actually watched it on uh, like one and a half speed. <laughs> so it was down to, what would that be then? It was down to like 60 or less minutes. It was still totally comprehensible <laughs> and a lot of fun. So you can even play it slightly faster and uh, and very much enjoy it. I always recommend watching it in the speed it was intended. Oh, that's it is the correct way to do it. It is the correct way. But I'm just saying for, for people that might think 80 minutes is still too much time. Look, we could do it in 60. You won't get the full effect, but don't let time be the killer. Uh, ranking at number three is the modern masterpiece, Freddy vs. Oh, Jason. now I'm even more shocked. Because the whole time I just figured that was going to have to be number one. Ah. Uh, it, it, it's a tough one for me because I do have some genuine love for the movie. I yeah. just sort of uh, these lists are personal for me, uh, yeah. and uh, so I uh, that that's where it ended up. I think that if you're in the mood to watch a Freddy vs. or Freddy or a Jason movie and you can't decide, this is an easy go-to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's such an obvious thing to say. But uh, I want peanut butter. I want chocolate. What am I gonna do? Exactly. Uh, it's. It, I, I think it's way better than it has any business being. Yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. The level of shock that I, that I didn't like just completely dismiss the movie is like, wow, bravo. All the way at number two, which seems weird, is Ravenous. Yeah. But I have a genuine affection for this it's, movie. It's a 
really weird little movie. It's bonkers. It is. <laughs> of, yeah. It is very violent. It's very well made. It's very well acted. And uh, there's a lot of twists and turns to it. Yeah. And like I said, I think that of all the movies, I think this is this is a movie that ended up being a mad movie. Like, the other people, they all set out to make movies that the yeah. people would walk out of the theaters just shaking their head going, yeah. what was that? Whereas Ravenous just ended up... It might this. even be the most mad movie. Because some of the other <laughs> ones, like... Like, Hobo with a Shotgun is a mad movie. Like, shit happens, and it's crazy. Yeah. But it, it's it's similar shit. It's all depraved violence. Yeah. And when you, like you said, you watch that first ten minutes, you know what's going to happen You've the rest the movie, of the movie. Really. You yeah. watch the first ten minutes of Ravenous, you, got nothing. You, you, you think you know, but you don't. You watch the next ten minutes, oh, now I got it, but you nope. don't. You watch the next ten minutes, yeah, yeah. it's always twisting. So that leaves it number one, uh, and perhaps this is a nostalgia pick. Evil Dead. It's hard to fault you, and I really wanted to put that one on the top of my list, too. I mean, it's it's a classic. Like, it is one of the best of it. I just... You know what? I, I think for me it was just I've seen Evil Dead 2 a lot. a lot. I knew what to expect of it, so being nicely surprised by a few other movies. I think everything... I think everything I put on top, except for Hobo with a Shotgun, was was new for me. Right. So that was a big... I think novelty played a lot into yeah. my list. But uh, there's, yeah, Evil Ed 2 is amazing. A part of when I, when I you know, started in the podcast and trying to figure out, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Uh, I always felt like the horror movie doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And I think we just gave a lot of respect to some pretty silly movies yeah. here. Um, but I think in a just world, like, Bruce Campbell should have been nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. For his betrayal. Like, no one would take it seriously. Everyone would laugh it off. Like, like, oh, what a ridiculous movie. Yeah. You have to be a very gifted comedic actor yeah. to do that that role that well. And I think one of the smartest things that the remake of Evil Dead did was not try to recreate Ash. Uh, because it's a one-of-a-kind, amazing yeah. sort of yeah. performance. And, uh, you know... He's up there for me in my childhood, you know. Yeah. It, you know, like it's Indiana Jones and Ash. You know, yeah. you, who's who? Do you most want to be when you're, you if, know, twelve years old? If you whatever. haven't read it, get a copy of If Chins, Chins Could, Could Kill, Kill yeah. Bruce Campbell's book, uh, his Confessions of a B Movie Actor. It's phenomenal. It's a side of Hollywood you knew about but didn't really understand as well, and especially the stories about the Evil Dead franchise working on set with them are phenomenal. So that is my list. Uh... Well, there you have it. Six mad movies ranked in review. Uh, that'll about put an end to episode 15 of Rank and Review. If you would like to write me and let me know what I got right and what I got wrong, you can do that at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. My name is Larry Parsons. I'm your host and Random Canadian. And thank you so much for listening.